0: D Have we started the fire? Yes. The Fire Rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things The Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you'd like to engage with the show, you have any thoughts, questions, comments, you can send us an email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. Now my name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and it's 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 been a couple of weeks. I feel like I feel like almost every podcast took a little Memorial Day break, and uh, we did the same, but we are back, and I say we because I'm joined by my partner in fighting crime. Welcome back to the show once again, Mister Joe Fornerop. Joe, welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me back on, Eric. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit of a break for us, but uh, it's it's going to be fun to to get back here and and get some uh, get some good conversation here about a a cool comic and a and a really uh, underappreciated artist too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and we will get into that in a few moments. But um, yeah, it's. So my last episode was with Matt, and it was uh, our first commentary on Batman Bad Blood. And then, you know, I I planned on another episode. In fact, this episode has been planned for several weeks. But you know, life happens as it will, and Memorial Day, and um, my my wife is out of state right now. She's gone on a vacation. So it's uh it's it's just been a few things piling on. But I, I'm glad to be back. We have a few things to talk about. Um, first, being uh, it's been a couple of weeks, as I've said, but we've got plenty of great news. And in, in, in fact, we've got news of two new animated series. One being a Superman show, but since this is a Batman show, we have news of a new Batman animated series. What did What did you think of this? Uh, this news, Joe?
1: Uh, I was really happy to see that we're getting our first Batman. Animated show in quite some time. I think the last solely Batman animated show was Beware the Batman. I think that was after Brave and the Bold. Um, and I, you know, side note, I actually did really enjoy that show despite its very quick runtime or quick uh, run. But uh, yeah, it was really nice to get this news. I know it was rumored for a while it was going to be connected to Batman the animated series. I don't know if this is still the same project that that was rumored to be. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of big names involved in this, so it's hard to not get excited about it, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, right. Um I would I would think that this is that show. I think it, you know, with Bruce Timm's name attached, I think everybody just assumed it was going to be a continuation of Batman the animated series. But here's the thing. That's a high bar. And if you can't match that bar, I think it's best left to its own. And uh, a new, fresh take with the names you mentioned being Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves. I, I'm very excited for this. Those are some excellent storytellers. And Batman: Cape Crusader. I, I hope that the art we got on the poster for it is is sort of the art style they're going for. What did you think of that?
1: Yeah. Again, it, it it's trying something different. It's going back to that noir look of Batman and the you know the. His first look from Detective 27, uh, I think that's pretty evident that they're going for that. And I, I'm with you. I I, I would uh, really... I mean, I'd be pretty disappointed if that wasn't the look they were going for, if that's the picture they released with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, at,
1: at this point, I think I completely agree with you. I would prefer to leave Batman the Animated Series alone. I love that show. I know a lot of people would love to go back into that. But I think... I don't know if it's just too many years have passed to where not only is the bar high already, I think the bar would be even higher for whatever they would try to do now to even come close to that. And I'd rather them just do their own thing and, and try something new here. And, and really, you know, just, just tell great Batman stories again, get back to that. It's been way too long since we've tried to do just a Batman show.
0: Mhm. Now, what is what is your take on that? Because the show is going to be... It says it's going to be released on Cartoon Network and HBO Max. Do you think that's going to be a concurrent thing? I, I, I'm kind of confused about how that release schedule is going to work.
1: I didn't even realize that it was going to be on Cartoon Network. I would hope it's concurrently. If anything, I'd be I'd be very disappointed if it was on Cartoon Network first and then we had to wait for HBO Max because I, I don't even know if I currently have Cartoon Network. I don't have... Uh, I don't have regular cable anymore. I use a streaming service for cable now. Mm-hmm. Um I know even with like the CW shows I have to wait to watch them or, or purchase them myself. So, you know, we all we all do our things here with cable lately, uh trying to <laughs> trying to avoid it somehow. And I guess they're trying to try to help out those those companies by doing these, you know, whether it be a concurrent release or or what have you. I I don't know. I, I really hope it's it's at least concurrent because I, I want to watch it on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. And yeah, I don't have cable either. So either way, I would have to wait for HBO Max. But I, I kind of hope it's day and date, however they're going to do that. I know there's the Cartoon Network hub on HBO Max. So so hopefully it's, it's that sort of thing. But seeing as this is a pretty much brand new Batman podcast and we have a brand new animated series that was – excellent news because i am 100% fully planning on covering batman cape crusader on this show. so that's that's very exciting. that that offers us lots of opportunities, joe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a lot of fun to to just get excited about a batman animated show on a weekly basis.
0: For sure, for sure. But without further ado, let's let's get into the topic that that we're here today to discuss. Um so I've been talking to Joe about this a lot last month. Uh the comic book world lost a fantastic artist uh by the name of John Paul Leon. Uh unfortunately, he passed away on May 1st after complications with colon cancer and uh, he was only 49 years old, which is which is very tragic. That's that's way too young. But I think he is an artist that is kind of flown under the radar for most of his career, which is a shame because he was, he was very talented and I wanted to make sure that even though we're, we're a month late, I I wanted to make sure that we honored John Paul here on the show. So I was talking to Joe about this. And and in fact, our conversation actually mirrors uh, how his career flew under the radar because Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't know very much about him before, before I mentioned him, Correct.
1: No, I didn't. And just to show how little, um, just to be respectful too, we don't, we are not sure how to pronounce his name. So Eric is saying Leon, I'm going to say Leon. And between one of us, we'll get it right, hopefully. Um, so yeah, John Paul Leon, to me, when I heard that name, I, I got to admit, shamefully, I had never heard of him before. And um, the first thing I did was look it up. And and actually, Eric recommended this this book that we're going to talk about, and I knew nothing about any of it. And then when I looked him up, I saw all the stuff he had covered. And I just I felt really bad to know that we lost somebody in the comic book world that didn't get the recognition that he deserved. And it it really is a shame because he did a lot of great work.
0: He did, yeah. And and you're right, it is a shame. Especially we were talking about this before we clicked record today. Especially with everything coming coming back around for for the milestone milestone comics banner, um, now that we we have films coming into production, um, they're talking about rejuvenating some of the some of the titles. John Paul Leon Leon was there at the beginning of milestone comics. He was actually the very first artist on the series Static, which gave us later the Static Shock TV show, and and now the the static movie that's in production or in the process of b- being in production. So yeah, I mean, he, he is an integral part of milestone comics. And again, nobody knew it. I feel like, and, and for, for all of you out there who are, who are gigantic fans of John um, I'm sorry. I didn't know as much about him as, as you did. It, it's, it's really a shame. And like you said, I'm very appreciative of the fact that he, he was there for the creation of, of Static, and he's done so many different works, including um, the film adaptations of comic books like Superman Returns, Batman Begins, um, I think also Green Lantern, The Dark Knight, things like that. It's amazing that he's done so many of these huge things, and people just don't know about him.
1: Yeah, I mean when you, when you think about – you know he was so young at uh, – I think he said 49. Um, he, mm-hmm,
0: 49 years old.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I guess we should be thankful that he did as much as he did by that age, so we do have so much of his work to remember him by, because, I mean, and and I guess the, the bright side of this is his work is going to get, uh, this is a terrible way to look at it, but he will hopefully get more recognition now, because... It's it's bringing his it's bringing knowledge of him to the forefront right now because of the passing, which, again, I, I am so sorry even saying it like that. But unfortunately, it is kind of true, because when you see someone like this pass away, all you want to do is say, OK, what did this person do for the comic book world? And and you're, you know, like me personally, I'm looking at myself like, wow, like, I'm so sorry that I didn't get to know this man while he was still here. And so when he did pass away, the first thing I did was look and see what else he could, what he had done, and I wanted to to really learn about him and to see his art. And he was he was an amazing artist, and it's uh, it really is just a shame.
0: Yeah, for sure. And he's um just just to cover some of the other things that John Paul did, uh, he he worked on a mini Robocop miniseries for dark horse um, static. As we've mentioned, he did some stuff for Marvel, including um, the further adventures of, of Cyclops and Phoenix, uh, an earth X miniseries with, with Alex Ross. uh, Who's a huge name. And then also uh, he's done some other work on Batman. We're covering a Batman book of his today, but he's done work on Superman challengers of the unknown uh, and then the new X-Men, things like that. So he did so much work. And actually, as recently, and, and I'm not reading this story, so I don't know if this came to pass, but in April of 2021, he was announced as the artist on the Batman Catwoman special number one, which was a retelling of Catwoman's origin, which anybody who knows me knows that I'm not a huge fan of Tom King when he's writing Batman. I love Tom King, just not when he's writing Batman. So I didn't even know that Leon was attached to, to this. So I, did you know this, Joe?
1: No, I, I found that out the other day. Um, when I, when I saw that, cause I, I didn't know much about the Batman Catwoman story and how that, that, how those issues were going. So when I just saw that the other day, I'm like, Oh, well, I might have to go pick that up. Cause, cause I want to see, you know, it, I would assume it's going to be his last work.
0: Right. Well, and, and that's, that's what's got me curious about it because it was announced in April and on May 1st, unfortunately, he was, he was gone. So it, I, I wonder, and I hope that maybe it was announced after the work was already done. Or at that's, least some. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. So um, anyway, any fans of uh, Batman, Catwoman? If if you know the answer to that, if if that special was finished and is coming out, let us know. Send us an email. But anyway, today we are here to talk about I what I guess would it, I would consider, even though I've I've never read his run on Static, um, the art that he did there or or most of his other things. I, I guess Creature of the Night. Batman Creature of the Night, which we're covering today in honor of John Paul Leon. I guess it would you consider it his his magnum opus, not having read any of the other stuff, Joe.
1: As far as I could tell, looking at his bibliography, for for Batman, essentially, it's his it's his biggest story that is his alone, where he did some like fill-in work here and there. This is his from start to finish as an artist. Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it's fair to say that because it was the first thing that caught my eye when i looked at everything he did and that was before i even read it and after reading it you know spoiler alert for what i thought of the book um i loved it so i think Mm -hmm. in my eyes it's going to be uh essentially that
0: yeah so it um, Batman Creature of the Night is a four-issue miniseries, and it was written by uh, Kurt, and I'm going to butcher this last name, His uh, Kurt Busiek, and it was started in 2017, and because of John Paul's fight with cancer, he, he got sick several times during the, during the process of doing the, doing the art for this book. It didn't complete until January of 2019. So this book took a very long time to uh, – oh, excuse me, he underwent chemo in January 2019. I know that the, f- the book finished in 2019. I'm not 100% sure on the date of the final issue. Yeah,
1: I, I have the date right here. It's November 27th, okay. 2019.
0: November 27th. Okay, so I know that it took – Several years to complete this four-issue mini-series, and I will say, I give all the kudos in the world to the writer and to DC Comics for <sighs> not jumping the gun and finding another artist for this when John got sick. This seems like it was it was very near and dear to not only Kurt Busiek but to John Paul Leon, and that's that's very commendable that they stuck with it and, and let John finish this book because it, it's a testament to his art. The entire book done by him is, is, is fantastic. Don't you think?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think this story, um, his art lends to this story in a perfect way and going by the nature of the story, I think it'd be really weird to have a four issue. Uh, I guess it would be a mini series, to have different artists i Mm -hmm. think i think whenever you have a mini series that is that is literally a story start from fin uh from start to finish by the writer who wanted to tell a complete story i think it only just serves the book so much better that the artist is the same throughout and in this case with his art style being so um unique i think it'd be really jarring if they had a different artist in there somewhere
0: oh for sure i mean I've talked about this with, uh, with Ryan Lauer, who's been on the show with us before, um, on his show, The Batman Book Club. Even in a, in a long arcing series, like, for instance, the, I have the, the Volume 1 omnibus of, of Scott Snyder and, and Greg Capullo's Batman run. And it has some issues in there, some tie-in issues that were done by other artists, and that's not Greg Capullo. And when I get to those issues, when I've been reading this long story, it throws me when it's another artist. It's, it it kind of, I don't know, it just, it, it takes me out of that world a little bit. And even though this is not a gigantic, long, sweeping story, it's just four issues, it's got that epic nature to it, I feel, it would have really taken me out of it had it been another artist.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been more jarring because it's such a short story. So, you know, when you have this long sweeping one and you get an artist here and there that changes, it's like, what, 10% of the story? Where in this case, you change one issue, it's 25% of the story. Right. You're, you're having a different artist, and it's like – and at this point, it would it would finish the story. It wouldn't even be like – I don't even know if they would have let him finish it at that point. It would have just been, okay, we're going to have someone else come and take over.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, they they might have even – redone the work that was already done at that point, which I'm so glad they didn't do. Again, kudos to to DC for sticking to John Paul here. But the story is, and it's it's almost, I've seen it considered like a spiritual um, successor to another story called Superman's Secret Identity, which you said you've never read either, correct, Joe? No, no, I haven't. No I haven't read it either, but Superman's secret identity uh, concerns a young man with uh, surface similarities to the to the icon that is Superman um, aware of the character as a comic book character and and how his life is shaped after the similarities so it's it's sort of similar here where we have a story about a young man named Bruce Wainwright whose name is very similar um, but instead of Like in that Superman story in Batman creature of the night, Bruce Wainwright is not only aware that that Batman is a comic book character, but he is a gigantic Batman fan, which I thought just from the get go. That's that's our that's our opening to this world. I thought that was a fascinating approach to this story because it's unlike any other Batman story I've ever read.
1: Well, yeah, as I said to you, I I knew nothing about this book at all when I started reading it. And I kind of looked forward to that because I could have looked it up and seen what it was about. I didn't even read the backstory of the book before I started reading it. So it really caught me off guard completely when I started reading it. And I just looked up Secret Identity came out in 2004. So that's Mm -hmm. quite a a space in between the two stories that was written by Kurt uh, Busiek and uh, a different artist but it's cool that they you know so many years later he said oh let me let me kind of tell my own story with batman after after he did superman so long ago
0: right and and i told you i found this book last year um, it was part i got it as part of a buy 2 get, get one free sale at barnes and noble on graphic novels and i'm sure everybody who's listening to the show who enjoys comic books has been in this situation I wanted to take advantage of the sale. I got two books that I really wanted. And then I'm like, okay, I got to get a third one. What do I want? And searching through the shelf, you know, um, because a lot of times when you go to Barnes and Noble or or any kind of bookstore that sells comics like that, you see a lot of stuff that you already have. You see a lot of stuff that you're not necessarily interested in. And then you see one that you're like, huh, I have no clue what this is, but it kind of looks interesting. And the cover art, I told you before we started recording, was what got me on this hardcover. And like you, I had no idea what this book was about. I bought it. um, I didn't even read the synopsis on the back of the book before I bought it. I just liked the way that cover looked so much. I was like, that looks intriguing. It's part of this sale. Sure, I'll grab it. And it turned out being my favorite (laughs) of the three that I bought that day. Um, It's a fantastic story. And for anybody who, who hasn't read it, I highly recommend it. But at this point, we, we're, we're kind of going to go into spoiler territory. So what I would recommend, if you haven't read Batman Creature of the Night, I would say pause your podcast right now, go read it, and then come back and, and listen to the rest of the podcast with us because we are gonna, we're going to really spoil this thing. So that is your final warning. So, Joe, um, this story with Bruce Wainwright, first of all, in the first issue, it really reminds me a lot of, of us as Batman fans because that's what Wainwright is. I mean, he's, he's the little kid that I think we all were. He dresses for Batman as Halloween. He's constantly reading the Batman comics. He is borderline or maybe not even borderline. He's obsessed with, with the character of Batman, right? Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and to me when I you know, when I first started reading it, it was like, Oh, okay, so we're we're in a world where Batman exists as a comic book mm-hmm. and there's just this kid, Bruce right and I'm reading it and I'm like, Okay, what it what are they getting at? Like how is this gonna be a book that I'm gonna wanna read? Like I'm so confused over what's happening and it, it grabs you pretty quickly, but yeah, it's not like I said, when you know nothing about this book going in, it really makes it makes for a really fun read and like you were talking about how you were just grabbed at the, uh, by the cover, you know, we read so many Batman books, you know, it's hard to find one that is such a breath of fresh air like this one Mm -hmm. and to really stand out to us. I mean, you can read 10 Batman books in, you know, a, a month span and some of them are going to go in and out of your mind and you're not even going to think twice about them this is one that's going to stick with you because it is so different it's going to stand out
0: well yeah and and I think part of, part of why that is is there's so many things there's clever little ways in which um, the storytellers tie this tie the Batman mythos to this boy's life like he has he has imagined his 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 own life to parallel that of the comic book version of Bruce Wayne Uh, to the point where his uncle, whose name is Alton Frederick Jepson, he uses the Al and the Fred in his name and Mm -hmm. makes him Uncle Alfred, which I thought was was very clever. So he just yeah I I love the way that they they do little things like that. I also love that each issue starts with a a big classic splash of a of a Batman story, it, and it's kind of a juxtap- juxtaposition of the art because it changes a little bit. Because and this is a credit to John Paul Leon because it, like in the first one you have that that classic Batman with the long ears sort of reminiscent of detective 27. And he, he, you know, you have the dot coloring like they had in the, in the old school comics. And then it, it changes to, to the world that we're in where the art is very much more, I streamlined, I guess smooth.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, I just think it's really neat the way that they tied these two worlds together, the comic book world and the Bruce Wainwright world,
1: yeah, uh, I don't even remember <laughs> I'm looking back at the, the issues just to to talk about what you were uh or what you were referring to as the uh the the big splashes to reminisce about something, and yeah like it's it really is such a cool way of doing it i I had only read this the one time, mm-hmm. and uh There, there really is just so many great homages to to old Batman, and like you were saying about how they did Alfred, like this could really come off cheesy.
0: It could, yeah.
1: You you got Bruce Wayne, right? You got his, you know, uncle, who they could have named him something like Albert, you know, Penny something, like. But they they found like ways to make it kind of cheesy, but not over the top, so Mm -hmm. you're willing to go with it, and they just kept finding new ways to make the story interesting throughout the four issues without it's hard to make a, a story like this that parallels Batman in the comics and still make it interesting. Like, I don't know how to, how to say that better, but it's not, it's not as straightforward as it could have been even going by this, this crazy idea of, Someone that loves Batman so much and sees his life kind of taking a turn at becoming Batman, it still mm-hmm. could have been much more in your face,
0: right? So yeah, in the in this first issue here, we um, it's not it's not very far into the issue that young Bruce Wayne right on Halloween night um loses his parents, which is another parallel to Bruce Wayne. He loses his parents in a home invasion robbery, and he actually in a reverse of um, in a reverse of the, the Bruce Wayne story, he gets shot himself and ends up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And this is where we meet officer Gordon, which is another parallel, except it's not detective Gordon here. It's not James Gordon. We have Gordon Hoover, but this is another, this is a character that becomes the parallel to sort of the James Gordon in the comics. And I don't know about you, Joe, but I was getting some, uh, and, and this was years ahead of the casting, but I was getting some real Jeffrey Wright
1: vibes. He is drawn like Jeffrey Wright. Absolutely. He is. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he could, it could be that Matt Reeves looked at this and said, wow, that looks like Jeffrey Wright. I need to catch Jeffrey Wright
0: as Jim Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so we, we find out things uh, more things through as we go along the um, the issue. There's something going on with the with the Uncle Alfred because he has he has taken over um, custody of Bruce Wayne right, and he sends him to a boys' school. Uh, Bruce really doesn't want to want to be there, but for some reason, and I thought this was handled really well across the story. I don't know what you think, Joe, but there was this little mystery as to why. Um, Alton didn't take him into his home
1: well I I will say it totally got me because I was thinking he was going to be a bad guy in some form or another there was going to be something there was going to be something negative about why Alfred was doing this and Mm. I loved the the decision they made Uh, especially I don't remember what the time frame of the book was but was it the 70s or is it like way back i'm trying to remember
0: so the the, the book 80s? the book actually goes from the 70s into by the end i think <clears throat> the early 90s okay um because i know we get and that's another cool thing you kind of get a progression of batman through the timeline of the book um because the new splash in in each book is a different version of Batman, even though it's not yes. like, it's not like linear because you get some Dick spraying Batman later, but you're seeing different versions of Batman throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you see like there's one panel later in the book in Bruce's office where you see the poster for the, for the Michael Keaton 89 Batman movie. Yes. And it's coming out. They even reference, you know, that, that, that dark Batman movie so it's kind of progressing through time which i thought was was a really cool touch as well
1: but yeah so it is revealed that uh that his uncle is is gay and he just didn't want to i don't remember if it was he didn't want bruce to be aware of it or just didn't want bruce to be around
0: well, that lifestyle.
1: It,
0: it, yeah, it was in the seven. It was in the late. It was 70s. the negative.
1: He didn't want him around the negative connotations that go with the lifestyle. Is, is not
0: uh, not to mention the 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 suspicion and things like that that he would yeah. have having a young a young boy in his home and in what the book kind of portrays as I guess a um, a gay community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I take it that that Alton lived in sort of a in sort of a, a gay community at that time and and people knew that that's, that's what that community was. And there could be bad connotations of having a young boy, um, living with him, which I thought was, I I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it seems like kind of a play on the, on the, um, the Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson thing that, you know, everybody complained about for a long time. Yeah, Um,
1: absolutely. When, you know, call it, uh, if you want to call it homophobia from back in the day where like right yeah you know just you know the thought of you know an old rich guy having a a young ward it had to have been something negative or had to have been you know everything came with this negative connotation on stuff like that and it was a it was yeah it was an interesting take on it to to show you know what they had to go through from that community mm-hmm. uh and and how he wanted to not only protect the, the thoughts that people would have on him, but really just, you know, not let his nephew deal with that either.
0: Right. But yeah, as, as we go along, we realize that, um, that Bruce is, is seeing uh, from the, from the death of his parents to, to other things that are going on around the city, which also I, I'd like to bring up that I, as a Boston Red Sox fan, I love <laughs> that this is set in Boston. That's mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I mean, when else are you going to get a Batman story in Boston that mentions Fenway Park? That shows Fenway Park, uh Batman and the Boston Red Sox. It was it was a perfect perfect marriage for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Bruce Bruce is seeing all the the criminality in Boston and and he's he's conflicted over the death of his parents and it's very early on that we start we start seeing this voice that Bruce is hearing, and I think the first panel was, uh, yeah, you hear it—the the safe, you safe, which ties into to the character of the Batman in this story going on later. But uh, that when you first read that, when you saw that safe, you safe, what did you think, Joe? What did you think about that?
1: At this point, I really didn't know what was going on. I, I really felt like this take on batman was going to be all in his imagination was he because of his love for batman and because of his parents death and because of all the parallels he was going through i really thought this was all going to be just a traumatic experience for him that created this character of batman personified to him and Mm -hmm. i thought we were going to learn that it was all a um, like a mental health problem that he was going through, or a mental health uh, issue, and
0: well, it it, it, uh, it it sort of leads you that way because you see yes. you see the conflict that he's going through. You see that he's having issues at his school. Um, he's running away, and he ends up in a psychiatrist's office. So that's you know that's the the first time I read it. That's the thought I had too. Is okay, this this world they're creating is going to be in Bruce's head.
1: And I I also think it's a good message, too, just because let's say Devil's Advocate, you know, if let's say Batman in this story is real and he isn't imagining him, he's still having issues because of the death of his parents and because of all the other issues he has going on with the pressure of the family business and all this other stuff. He still needed help, whether Batman in his life was was in his imagination or not. So. Mm there's a lot of layers to that story in that regard of him, you know, needing to admit that he needed help regardless of everything. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the, the, the way that Batman is used in this story really is just, again, I keep saying it caught me off guard because I really didn't know where the story was going with it. Even after you start seeing Batman and you start learning about what Batman could be or what he thinks Batman is it still just kept going in different ways. And Mm. I told you when I read the first issue, it kind of ends in a way that I thought, okay, they're going to leave this completely open-ended. And wait, did I just finish the story? Is there not an issue too? Because I didn't really look to see how many issues it was or anything. But no, it does pick up and it it goes on, it goes to, to leave you more breadcrumbs to what's going on. But what was your take on the progression of the more you find out about the character of Batman in
0: this? Well, so I didn't, the first time I read it, honestly, at which hindsight reading it this time for the podcast, I, you know, you know what, you know, Mm -hmm. but there was still, it had been quite, it had been last year since I had read it. So there's, there's things I, I still had to remember as I was going through but learning, because there is a very supernatural element to this version of Batman, it really like until you get to the end of the story, it really like it it gave me an uneasy feeling. Like, where are they going with this? What's gonna yeah. happen? They tie it together really well. I, I love and we'll get to the we'll get to the end later, but personally you know i was because you see like everything that bruce is seeing in the world like, the first thing is he wants to find out who his parents killer is and he goes through this investigation almost himself and he's seeing he's seeing visions um and i i can't honestly remember is it while he's asleep that he's seeing these visions
1: they might even leave that vague.
0: I think um, I think they do, yeah. But they, did,
1: they left so much vague early on in the book that I really didn't expect them to give us a clear-cut answer on what was going on. I thought they were gonna give us little hints here and there, and it was gonna be up for our interpretation. And I was very surprised that we do get more answers than I expected.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But The And I I, want to make this clear, too, that I think this is just so far as how Leon draws Batman. I want to say other than maybe the the red rain Batman, this may be the creepiest Batman that's ever been drawn.
1: Yeah, I'd say either the red rain or the the first artist I thought of was Kelly Jones. With
0: the Uh, with with the really long ears and the claws and things like that.
1: he liked drawing him in a horror aspect too, almost like a like a completely unrealistic take on what a person would look like. And this one, yeah, this one is just creepy and he looks like a m- mythical figure. Mm-hmm. Almost like you would see a lot of interpretations of what the villains see when they think they're seeing him, as opposed right. to what he actually looks like.
0: The first thought I had really was the um, the the scarecrow interpretation of Batman for Batman Begins. Yep. It reminds me a lot of that, uh, especially because he's got like he's got like these glowing red eyes and he's got the muzzle almost of a bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very creepy, but but beautifully drawn. Very, very awesome artwork.
1: Huge, long, overflowing, impractical cape.
0: <laughs> yeah for sure that that kind of um
1: like Norbro turn... nor used to draw a lot or even um seth mcfarland used uh god seth mcfarland todd mcfarland <laughs> yeah used to draw.
0: and the and the cape kind of turns into bats yep at the edges so yeah uh, but you you end up finding out as you go through the story that this batman that keeps appearing has some kind of psychic link to Bruce would you, that's fair don't you think yeah and Bruce is seeing through this Batman's eyes so everything that that Bruce is investigating and looking at you're seeing through Batman's eyes you're seeing um Batman go out and and find the clues and track down criminals and bring bring them to justice to the point where Officer Gordon in this book starts to get kind of suspicious of Bruce, and I, I really I really like there's another parallel there of in the first book it's in the first issue, excuse me the the mission is to find the killer to find the killer of Bruce Wainwright 's parents, and when that's done, it's like, okay, this is done but the battle's not over because this could happen to somebody else. That's Bruce's mentality. You know, the war goes on. We need to, we need to stop more crimes because this could happen to somebody else. So it's another parallel with the the comic version of Bruce Wayne, I think, in which even though he's accomplished his goal, he's found his parents killer. He can't stop. So Batman goes on. So it's, it, I, I thought that was a really awesome parallel to the comics.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I wanted to ask you, so when when they're showing him seeing things from the Bat's perspective, because that's what you're seeing, is like you said, he he was being able to see everything that Batman was doing. I thought that they were leaning towards a split personality disorder or something to that effect where he was blacking out and literally becoming Batman.
0: That That's what I thought too. I thought he was like... <clears throat> going into like you said like a blackout he didn't remember going and doing them these things he, himself but i thought that he was seeing these visions as batman because of his obsession yeah and that it was actually him doing doing it the whole time but when you when you find out later in the book and we're just going to go ahead and spoil it um when you find out later in the book that Bruce had a younger brother was he stillborn is that
1: what it was that's the part that i don't remember i remember the the batman having a connection to his brother and i remember yeah whether he was stillborn or whether he died really young i think stillborn makes more sense and it was like a but then i was also wondering if that was even true and it was still him like was he just imagining the fact that he had a brother i'm trying to remember was there he saw the brother's grave though Mm mm-hmm um, yeah. Which you could still have a grave for a stillborn, uh, without getting into it. I I know that from uh, <laughs> from personal matters. So right, it's yeah. There's there was a lot of again. It, it, they were they were leaving these breadcrumbs the whole book that really. It, I felt like every time there was a new breadcrumb, it was giving me more questions. Then answers but mm-hmm. then they again I, I i still could not believe that i was ever going to get an answer in this book i thought it was going to be different mis um misdirections because the brother card was brought up and i i really thought okay now he's just he's imagining that it's his brother because it was like an out for him mm-hmm. where Okay, that would make sense that that would be why Batman is, is doing this for me because it's my brother. But then you didn't know which way they were going to go as far as well if the brother actually is Batman or if I don't know, it was it was there were so many huh, there were so many different ways you could take every every place they were taking you.
0: Right. And and, well, I didn't see, I didn't go there at all because when the, when the brother thing came about in the book, my mind originally, and I don't know if it's just from, from, from all the comic books that I read on a regular basis, my mind went straight comic book. And I was like, okay, so this is, this is actually his brother. Um, and that's, that's what happens in the story is that, um, it's kind of a supernatural thing in which the spirit of his brother, Tommy, has inhabited this, this obsession that Bruce has and has become this embodiment of Batman. A very creepy version of Batman, but he's here to help his brother in, in any way he can. And it makes a lot more sense when you find out That it is his brother, that the first question that he always asks is, are you safe? Yes. Which I love that. I love that kind of familial bond of um, the brother is willing to do anything he can to make sure that Bruce is is safe and happy.
1: Which is such a a different take on Thomas Wayne from the comics or Thomas Mm -hmm. Wayne Jr. from the comics because – and comic book uh, tropes in general, whenever there's a long lost brother, it's always an evil version of the brother. It's not mm-hmm. someone that is trying to keep you safe. So I loved that they did that because it they did so many cool parallels, but also keeping you on your toes and not doing the tropey version of those parallels.
0: Yeah. But it, but it gets really, I love the twists and turns because there's actually that twist of, this Batman, his version of Batman is going so far to make sure that his brother is safe and, and doing everything that he can to, to accomplish Bruce's goals that you find out that all this good he's doing, all these criminals that he's capturing, all the evidence that he's finding. Well, Batman is actually planting some of this evidence to make sure that Bruce's theories and his, his investigations come to fruition. And not only is he doing that, but, He's doing things to make sure that um, Bruce's business is successful. Mm-hmm. And that's that comes at the cost of of sabotaging other businesses and making other people suffer. So it's it's such a strange juxtaposition of the of the normal Batman story in which Batman is all good and, and you know is 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 all focused on the right thing to do. And in in this story, Batman is just focusing on what's right for Bruce.
1: And if I remember correctly, while he's doing that, it's making Bruce look guilty for planting that evidence because who else would be planting that evidence?
0: Right. And and that's where the officer Gordon in this story starts to starts to come in because Gordon's Gordon Hoover starts to become very suspicious of how everything is working out for Bruce Mm -hmm. and that Bruce knows things that he probably shouldn't about these cases. So it's, it's really, yeah, the the drama is very high. I'd say in this book, I don't think this is the kind of comic you, you're looking for. If you're looking just for like the high intensity, um, action in every page kind of thing, this is much more of a, of a slow burn, uh, mystery almost like a supernatural mystery.
1: Yes. And it's a very dense read too. I mean, it's, I think each issue is like almost 60 pages.
0: Um, um, they're, they're 48 page issues except for the last one. The last one okay. is, is oversized because they wanted to do that since it took so long to to come out.
1: Okay. So yeah, and they're longer. And most of the time with me when I read books like this, I will – I won't zone out, but I will not grasp a lot of it because it is so long and I will forget things. And I, I definitely am a little foggy on some of the details in this book, but it does stick with you because it is so different. And so like, like we talked about earlier, like it, it was a breath of fresh air. So I was always interested in what was going on. Cause I had no idea where it was going.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's, there is a lot of small details. Like there's the details of, of Bruce going to the um to the professor on the occult
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's telling he's telling this professor that he's writing a book and uh, you know a fictional story and he's trying to make things as as realistic as possible so he's asking about possession and ghosts and things like that and and she's basically giving the giving him the answers that he that he's looking for to confirm yeah this is this is what's happening mm-hmm so yeah, there's there's lots of small details like that that I really enjoy um, in the book. Um, one thing, uh, if I have a nitpick, um, Bruce starts this uh, branch of his company that's kind of a, a it's a charity. Almost it, like it puts it puts kids who were in his same situation in the in the situation where they can get a good education and have a home and things like that, which is which is awesome. That is absolutely a Bruce Wayne thing. But his first person is a girl named Robin. I thought that was just a tiny bit like as much as the Alton is Alfred thing works for me that the Robin part was just a tiny bit on the nose for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the reason I'm okay with it is because even Bruce thinks it's on the nose. And True.
0: Yeah, they do bring that up.
1: And I think that's his way of being like, well, of, you know, like him thinking of course I would have uh, an assistant or or a coworker named Robin, like that's it's just too fitting for my life. And it was mm-hmm. it was the ironic side of it that makes it works for me, I guess.
0: Right. But I mean it it still works better for me than the dark knight rises robin so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i do like that um that she actually grows up to be to be a part of his company and, and really cares about him um mm. and in fact it's it's this whole triangle of of his uncle alfred um the the, the girl robin and this this uh this gordon it's almost a triangle of them trying to figure out what's going on with Bruce because they all get very suspicious of, of what's going on and, and how things keep falling in line with him. And then he actually, the more he starts to figure it out, he starts to crack a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that was the time in the book where you really see him um, just getting really low and really down. And that that was, I think, the most I don't want to say. Int- I guess it was intriguing, where uh, it went to some really dark places with him as a character, and to see his loved ones, um, you know, between Alfred. I'm just going to say Alfred because I can never remember his actual name. Between Alfred and Robin, really worrying about him and and trying to see what's best for him while he's kind of lying to them about why he's feeling better or why you know he's doing what he's doing. It was really. It was it was very different. Again, I'm going to keep saying it was different than what I expected, and really just um, went to places I didn't expect.
0: Right, and all the way up until you know the, the end of the the end of the third issue when they kind of meld together, and Tommy takes over Bruce's body, which. Really delves into to me like the the horror possession type type genre, mm-hmm. and that's when I really when I got to the end of the third issue, I was like, "Whoa!" Because mm-hmm. I mean, again, is this something that Bruce is imagining, or is it actually happening?
1: And yeah, for for most of the book, I felt like it was all imagination. I really, I really thought that the big. If we were ever going to get a reveal, it was going to be that Bruce had been just so down and so depressed and so, you know, sick that this was all in his imagination. All the people that he thought were out to get him weren't out to get him. uh, And unfortunately, he was doing a lot of these terrible things himself. Like, I thought there was going to be a lot to all of that. And it really does not go that way at all um but it went to you know the part that i really remember the most is when he starts getting the medication and deciding whether to take it or not and um i think if i remember right he he didn't like the way he felt with it because he didn't feel like he could solve his problems while on the medication so he was lying about taking it and that's when Robin finds him in the, what was it? Like, I guess his version of the Cave with all of the, uh, the clues and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that becomes the byline of the, of the, the end of the story really is can Bruce continue to go on because the, the medication that he's being, that he's been given kind of, I guess squashes Tommy it doesn't allow him to to come out Mm -hmm. so yeah and and then it becomes you know the the battle within Bruce of do I take the medication um it's almost like he's there's that part near the end where it's like the medicine is killing Tommy which Mm -hmm. I found that really interesting too because as Batman because he's 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 possessed by batman as he's talking about this he um he's saying you know i can't, I can't kill a child and that's bit so he's he's thinking that this medicine is going to kill his brother who's already dead so it, yeah it goes to some really really dark places especially after after his uncle dies in the hospital mm-hmm. but yeah that's after his uncle Al Al dies in the hospital, um I will say I love the panels where you see all of the, the, the comic villains, the Joker, Riddler, Penguin, all that, and it's kind of his psychosis coming out. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really it's it's so dark and twisted, but it's it's beautiful to look at. And this this Batman character is is really almost infecting Bruce's mind because he thinks that he thinks that officer Gordon has planted all this instead of Batman. So he, he goes after Gordon and yeah, the ending here. So let's, let's get into the ending. What, what were your thoughts on on the, on how they wrap this book up?
1: So, I'm trying to remember exactly how it wraps up, which is sad because I remember most of the book, but the ending, if I remember correctly, he he finally comes to terms with the fact that he needs to take the medication, correct? Yes. And I just remember him... I remember him being close... With Robin, because Robin's the one that actually does save him and convinces him that he needs help.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that whichever way you take it, the the Batman character, the Tommy, at the end here realizes that him going away is the way to keep him safe yeah is the way that actually makes Bruce safe so yes. that i which I, I love i love that whole page where it's batman handing um handing Bruce the medicine bottle and he's saying you're safe now now yes. you're safe
1: and he says i don't know who i'm crying for tommy alfred mom and dad me but for the first time in a long time i feel like like maybe the sun might come up
0: yeah yeah and then uh, it ends with it looks like uh, Bruce and Robin are are together now.
1: I no, I think they're no, no. People. She's no, she's, she's dating with a guy. Someone else.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, but he has he has a significant other here at the yes. end. And then I love that as his significant other gets out of the car there at the end, you see Bruce, uh, You see the Batman voice hmm. ask him if he's safe, and he says, yeah. "So far, buddy, so far." And that's how it ends. So yeah, uh, again, unlike any other Batman story, um, this isn't definitely not your straightforward, uh, punch him up Batman story, but it's, I, I think it's a really fascinating read and the, the art done by John Paul Leon in this book is amazing. And, and I think it should be celebrated.
1: Yeah. I need to actually, um, so i've read it about a month ago i need to read it a second time i didn't get a chance to before we recorded i i want to just really enjoy the art the next time i read it and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just take it all in because the story the story is so good that i end up and i do this a lot when i read comics i end up just flipping through the pages as quick as possible to get to the story and i forget sometimes to really take in the art mm-hmm. and most of the time when i do that the next few times i'll read a book is when i i can take my time and really enjoy the artwork and this is one of those books that really you need to just take your time and enjoy the artwork because it's telling its own story on top of the the words
0: oh it is absolutely because there's so many there's so many mirrors here of of different styles of art which i think works so well, because, as i've as I've said, there's the there's the big splashes of the comic book panels that have that old school um, dot coloring art. and there's also like the same thing happens in certain flashbacks. Like when Bruce is having a flashback of memories of his childhood, it becomes that comic book, that that golden age comic book art style.
1: Yeah, I'm always amazed how artists can change styles within a book.
0: Right, yeah, because and Leon does it so many different times in in this book, because he has his Batman, which is so creepy and gothic and just something out of a horror film. But then you see him draw Batman in the in the Bob Kane style, in the in the Dick Spring style. Um, there's, I think, there's a little bit of Neil Adams homage in here as well. So there's just so many different styles of Batman that he's drawn here. And I'm fascinated by how they do that because I have no artistic talent whatsoever.
1: (laughs) No, my, my art style, uh, my art talent stopped when I was about five or six years old. I was pretty good. (laughs) And then, and then I think I just stayed exactly the same level from five or six years old.
0: Yeah. If you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever seen Tom King, draw Batman on covers that he does the stick figure Batman and he writes, I'm sorry (laughs) under it. That's that, that's my level of of artistic ability. Yeah. But absolutely not the case for, uh, for Mr. Leon here. Um, wonderful art. I, I don't know about you, but I highly recommend this. What are, what are your final thoughts on, on Batman creature of the night?
1: I, I definitely recommend this for the art, for the story. Uh, a breath of fresh air in the simplest terms, because when you're looking to read a Batman book nowadays, we have so many different stories and, and so many different takes on Batman that it's hard for us to really get excited about anything that's, you know, different. And this is as different as a Batman story you can possibly get for us. And I, I'm definitely going to check out secret identity now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not John Paul Leone, but it is the same writer and i'm very curious to see what from that made it into this um or what else they did in that that was its own thing so the fact that that story was done a good 12 years prior to this and they decided let's 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 try to do another story for batman in that vein uh Yeah, definitely check this out. Check out John Polio's other work. If you could track some of it down, we got to get that Batman Catwoman special. If for nothing else, I did see the Batman Catwoman special does have a variant cover that he did do.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah,
1: I'm going to try to track that down when that's released.
0: For sure. Absolutely. And I mirror everything that Joe said. Um, I think that this is... This is a book that that needs to be digested. So if you if you do decide to check it out, really, really take your time with it, because it's it's heavy, it has a it's very dense for, for as a four issue miniseries, there's a lot in there. And there's a lot that makes you think. Um, So I like Joe highly recommend this story. It is not your run of the mill Batman book, but if you're looking for something different, something outside of the norm, I think this may be the book for you. So, I would I would just like to to hope that maybe recommending this gets a few more people to read and look at the art of John Paul Leon cuz I think he deserves it. But that is where we're going to we're going to wrap up the coverage and the and the tribute to John Paul. But before we go, Believe it or not, Joe, we we finally have a review on iTunes. Oh, nice! Yeah, so um, let me see. Let me pull it up here. I promised you guys that if anyone sent us an email or gave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that we would read them on the show, and we have one. We have a five star review from Kato eighty six, and it says Eric brings a fresh take i started listening to the podcast from hearing eric plug it on superhero stress shout out to uh, our friend philip barker eric gives a fresh taste to the dedication of our beloved dark knight i myself started hitting the ground a lot more in the last two years after listening to holy batcast where i learned about superhero stress with phil which has brought me to this podcast this is my favorite new batman podcast Eric is such a joy to listen to. He's the Bat Brother I never had. Looking forward to the future episodes as I go on a binge of listening to his episodes. Well, Kato86, thank you so much for that review. And you gave me a whole lot of credit there. And I appreciate it. But I got to say, um, without my guests that I've had, like Matt and Joe, uh, I couldn't do it. So this review applies to Joe as well. So Joe, there you go. We've got a We've got our first review. How awesome is that?
1: That's awesome. Thank you. And, and I will echo his comments. You are the bad brother I never had. So I, I, uh, you know, I appreciate the review just because I, I enjoy being on here and talking to you. It's, it's been a lot of fun doing the show and I'm glad that, uh, other people are checking
0: it out. Ah, uh, shucks. Well, thanks buddy. I appreciate it. And if you out there would like your review read on the show, well, just leave us one. You can leave us one on Apple podcasts, and if you'd like to, as I said earlier, check out the show on our social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at TFRBatPod. Um, before I plug myself, Joe, tell the people where they can find you.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as j Forn 11 Facebook is Joe Forno. I'm not too active on there right now. And I'm on Vero very rarely as Joseph i uh, I'm sorry, Joseph Um, I actually just, I want to say two weeks ago, um, our buddy Ryan Lauer published the episode I was on with him. Uh, we covered Death of the Family. Uh, I love that book dearly. And it was a lot of fun to cover that with him on there. Uh, Ryan's been on the show with us here. So please go and check that out. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably, I would hope you're already listening to the Batman Book Club. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much for having me on, Eric. I apologize for not, uh, you know, with our schedules being so crazy the last few weeks. I wish I had read this a second time prior to doing the episode, but uh, it was still a lot of fun to talk about. And it kind of refreshed my memory on the book, too. So.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I didn't have, I honestly didn't have a chance to reread it again either, but yes, absolutely go check out Joe's episode on the Batman book club with Ryan. It was fantastic. You know, I'm in for anything Snyder and Capullo. So that was an instant listen for me, but if you'd like to, Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. And, uh, if, uh, for the Batman fans, we have something, me and you both have something fun planned uh, to record with our friend, Philip Barker.
0: On, uh, Absolutely yes. We, I, I'm not going to say what it is. Um, I think uh, Phil's already done some promotion for that, so keep an eye out on that feed, uh, the superhero stress feed, and uh, you'll hear us there very soon. But if you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Vera at M E Carter 89. That's M E Carter 89. So we'd like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the fire rises. We hope you come back again next time. And um, instead of a quote of Batman for this time, I'm just going to leave you with rest in peace. John Paul Leon, go check out some of his work. Thanks guys. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening.